everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. Can we start with the morning zoo? I wish you'd do NPR every once in a while. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to from uh, William Bibiani's talking to his pal Whitney show, talking about your mail. From WBZ in Chicago and Public Radio International, it's This American Life. I'm Ira Glass. On some, at some, on some level, we've, done, we've been doing podcasts. We've probably done literally thousands of hours of podcasts at this point. That's probably not an exaggeration. At oh, least yeah, over 1,000. We, we just can't shut up. No. And yet, on some level, every time we start a podcast, mm. it's like a little kid playing with like a tape cassette recorder for the first time, <laughs> and you're just, we're just trying out funny voices. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, this is We've Got Mail. Uh, this is the podcast where you control the conversation right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. We read your letters. You write into letters at criticallyacclaimed.net, and we answer those letters. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Ira Glass. Uh, <laughs> I'm not Ira Glass. Yeah, my we're going to get sued. My name, <laughs> you can't do that. I'm not impersonating Ira. A, a very bad impersonation of Ira Glass. My name is Whitney Seibold. I am a, a film critic of some stripe of, or another. And for the purposes of this particular podcast, uh, you can call me Rockmeister McCool. In fact, I insist that you do. That That is my nickname for this podcast and this podcast alone. Nobody calls me that at the bar. I think that should be your new Shimoda name. It was Rockmeister McCool. Rockmeister McCool. Like, you're going to completely change your vibe. Like, <laughs> hey! Um, but yeah, so uh, this is We've Got Mail. Uh, we talk a lot about the stuff that we think we'd like to talk about, and it's very, very flattering that you listen to our shows, but we think you're really cool, and we really love hearing from you and finding out what you're interested in talking about, interested in learning more about, uh, movie recommendations you have for us, movie recommendations you'd like from us, anything at all, really. We're pretty open books. So uh, again, that email is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, away we go. Here we go. I uh, Here's a letter from Jinxie. Hi, Jinxie. Hello, Jinxie. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney, when you discussed The Women, the uh, George Cukor film, uh, Bibbs pointed out the opening title sequence to the movie and how much it annoyed him. Uh, To catch you up, the opening of The Women has... Which, which, uh, by the way, if you missed that episode, 1939 film, directed mm. by George Cukor, every single character in the movie is a woman. It is nothing but uh, uh, female stars. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's... It mostly holds up. There's some there's some yeah. crappiness towards the end, but it's mostly really good. But it, yeah, it has kind of a bad ending. But um, it, it has it has uh, Norma Shearer in it, and she's my girlfriend. So, um, <laughs> uh, but the opening sequence was uh, the title. The character name would fade up with a portrait of an animal that they perhaps like embodied in some way, and then it would fade into the uh, actress playing them. Yes, and my argument, yeah. which I'm sure we're about to discuss, mm-hmm. was uh, some of those. Uh, uh, Comparisons were less flattering than others. Yeah, I, I mean, thought it was kind of a cheap shot. So, some of them were villainous characters, to be fair. True. But you know, well, uh, let, anyway, let's read um, the letter. I rewatched the opening and ended up getting annoyed myself, but not because the animals instead, uh, and instead of the title cards, uh, you have people identified as Mrs. Howard Fowler, for example. In parentheses, mm. then you have their first name. This annoyed me because it ties their whole. Uh, it ties their whole identity, in case you missed the subtitle, it's about the men on the poster, to their husbands. Uh, except for uh, Paulette Goddard and Marjorie Maine, who are married when they meet meet them, but aren't high class enough to get Mrs. Husband's property treatment. Um, but there's also another reason for you. See, I work in a museum. What does this have to mu- do with museums, you might be wondering? I work in collections. And the amount of women who I can't identify because they go by things like Mrs. Howard Fowler are in the dozens. Oh. This is made harder by the fact that I live in Utah 
and there is a oh. chance for anyone born before <laughs> World War One was one of many wives. Oh I'm my always God. very proud when I can track down an identity. Uh, I guess that's more of a rant than a question. So here is a question. It, oh gosh, that could that that's, that's gotta be a pain. Yeah, I, we, that's something. That, like, and that's not that was such a convention. For, I, I remember yeah. people being introduced that way in my lifetime, and now mm. I think it's mostly, if not entirely, gone out of favor. Thank goodness. Mm. But yeah, it's weird. It's possessive. It's sexist, and I never really. Th- thought about how that would make history mm. that much more complicated <laughs> but it would yeah My, that uh, sucks it's like this weird form of erasure but uh, this was really common uh, all the way up through my grandmother's generation my grandmother mm-hmm. was born in 1918 or excuse me she was born in 1908 mm-hmm. and um she i remember when i was young she actually called me aside and and said that she like ran into a clerk who called her ms and oh. and she could not abide by that. She like made a sour Damn face. How how dare she call me Miss? I'm a Mrs. I've got all her, the way her, to marriage. Her husband was dead, but she was yeah. still Mrs. Well, I, this happened. This happened, this uh, popped up in uh, the recent election, where mm. you know the isolated cases of uh, voter fraud, which were hardly anything. Oh, you mean but, both of them? Yeah. yeah, basically. But like there was the accusations of voter fraud, and uh, someone was like, "Yes, this this person with this name voted twice," and one person's like. I'm legally put my name down as Mrs. My husband's name. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe if you actually like done actual research instead of just looked for names. Your fist, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you would have noticed that there's nothing wrong. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Still mad about it. Moving on. Uh, uh, this is more of a question. What movies have changed based on the jobs you've worked? Oh. Another example of this is seeing Wonder Woman touching the glass, the glass print without using gloves or washing her hands. <laughs> you don't want to get your finger oils on something like that and ruin it. Uh, one other thing, I've been listening to uh, screen drafts basically every Tuesday at work while cataloging items or finishing up a museum move. It seems like a lot of the people who end up on that show are ones who suggested a topic to Clay. As such, I... I thought that us, your loyal listeners, could maybe suggest some screen drafts for you to get back on. Uh, My two suggestions. Number one, only the best, the draft. A mini mega draft of 15 movies where you draft the best movies nominated for best picture in a 25-year period. Uh, You and Whitney are already doing great work to catch all of these movies up. And you you could have Drea Clarkland or Kristen Lopez on on that show. Plus, we are getting close to the 100th anniversary of the Academy Awards. Oh, that's true. Uh, They could do one in a draft year for four years and celebrate it. Mm -hmm. Um, Or number two, weather drafts. This, I've said it on Twitter at one point too, came from an episode of You've Got Mail. You brought up the heat wave and do the right thing. Oh, yeah. The first thing that came to mind was, this should be a screen draft. <laughs> you could do heat wave movies, storm movies, rain, etc. Would singing idea. in the rain even end up in a rain movie draft? I, I actually don't think... Uh, no, I don't think it would. Doesn't I don't think that, it would, but... <laughs> But also can't think of a more obvious rain movie either. I reminded of uh, uh, I always remember that scene in uh, Sleepless in Seattle mm-hmm. where Meg Ryan's talking to her friend. He's played by David Hyde Pierce, and she's like, I don't, I don't, "Why would I want to fall in love with someone in Seattle?" And David Hyde Pierce just looks like shocked. It's like it rains nine months out of the year in Seattle, <laughs> and that's always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And it does; it rains constantly mm-hmm. up there. Uh, but she goes on, uh, those are my ideas, and I know I have a ton of listeners who probably have way better ones. So come on, guys, brainstorm, get back on them screen drafts. I would love Sign to. Sign Jinxie. Um, I'm constantly, yeah. like, you know, poking them and on Twitter mm. whenever, like, hey, we're doing a screen draft with this. And I'm just like, <laughs> I would have liked <laughs> to have done that. I love that show. It's such. Yeah. If you're not familiar with it, Screen Drafts is a podcast. Whitney and I did an episode last year um, where the, uh, it's kind of like the Iron List, but it's more competitive. Where there's only it's seven like a, spots. Yeah, it's, and, like a, it's like a debate show where you yeah. try to fill out a top ten list. Yeah. So and like you can knock out 
uh, friend's suggestion. Yeah, so there's seven to, uh, seven spots. One uh, competitor only gets three spots. One competitor gets four spots. And you can veto someone's pick if you think it isn't good enough or you think it doesn't qualify. Yeah. Um, and you only get a handful of vetoes. Um, it's really fun. We did uh, one for uh, When Animals Attack Movies. And... Um, mm. Because Whitney is a contrarian, the birds didn't end up on that list, and I'm still kind of I'm still kind of tetchy about that. That's that's a Q-Core film too, right? The birds. Which one is that? I haven't heard of that movie. I didn't. Excuse me while I throw Whitney off of my balcony. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh no, no, my vertigo. But uh, okay, so there were two questions there. One screen drafts. Any other screen drafts things you would like to do? You would like to compete with me for? Oh golly, that's a tough one. I I I have trouble listicling anymore like there was a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a exercise it's a yeah, muscle you haven't it's, it's, it's a muscle i haven't flexed in a while yeah. like there were there was a while when i had to do like a listicle like three of those a week just yeah. for whatever outlet i was writing for but i haven't had an outlet for quite some time yeah, so there I as many outlets as there used to be and if they are then, yeah they're not they're not paying nearly enough it's like yeah can you can you write 15 pages will give you 50 bucks. Like, well, I'm not sure yeah. if I have the time for that. Yeah. 50, that's not uh, a lot. I mean, there are some places mm-hmm. that do pay, but you know, it's hard to, yeah, yeah. I was, they're so, competitive out there. So, so it's, know. it's difficult for me to sort of group films in my brain in quite the same way anymore. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really thinking of films in quite the same way. So I don't have like a list I'm dying to share, mm-hmm. uh, but I guarantee you if you, if like, if, here's a fun one, here's mm-hmm. a fun one we could do gimmick movies. Oh, there you go. We both love gimmicks. Mm. And uh, Whitney, in particular, is a huge fan of mm. uh, William Castle. I love William Castle as well. The king but, of gimmicks. But yeah, I would absolutely. challenge you, you could only pick one William Castle movie. Oh, curse you. Yeah, you can't, I mean, come on, it can't just be just the best William Castle movies. Yeah, come yeah. on, you gotta, you gotta limit it, it. And it can't just be the best movie. It has to be the best gimmick, perhaps. Yeah, you know, I could that put would it be, that way. That'd be really, I, I would like, love yeah. that. That'd be a huge, huge. Like, um, uh, like the house, house on haunted hill is actually a, a crappy gimmick. It's, yeah, it's not a good gimmick. Like gimmick it's, it's it's a pretty fun movie, but the gimmick is awful. <laughs> yeah. The, the the gimmick for uh, house on haunted hill was called Emergo or Emergo, uh, yeah. where um, the only gimmick was when a skeleton appeared on screen in the movie in one scene. Uh, the theater had rigged up a pulley system across the ceiling of the theater, mm-hmm. and they dangled like a medical or a plastic skeleton from it, and somebody in the back would just pull on a rope and would hoist across the ceiling of the theater. Yeah. And that was it. A skeleton floated across the ceiling. And of course, people scene. would like throw things at the skeleton oh, yeah. and knock if, it off the wire, and it was like, the whole thing. Um, like, if, if you're there at like a midnight screening and everybody's drunk and everybody's half naked, and it's just one of those grindhouse experiences, and everybody just completely trashes the skeleton, yeah. that'd be a fun night. Did you ever see the movie Popcorn? I did. Popcorn rules. And popcorn is about like a horror, all night horror film festival mm. where it's all like gimmicky William Castle type movies. And there's a serial killer who's like knocking off the, you know, the theater attendants and stuff. Mm. And there's a whole bit with like, I think it's like a mosquito or something that's going to fly it towards the screen and someone gets like impaled on it. Oh, memory is... serves. I've only seen it the once. That's if memory serves. That's yeah. how that word. That's a good one. Speaking of gimmick movies, one of my favorites that no one talks about. It's so good. Uh, Wicked Wicked. What was the gimmick Wicked, for Wicked, Wicked Wicked? The gimmick for Wicked Wicked is it's actually two movies playing simultaneously. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a serial killer story. It's, you know, someone's killing people off at this hotel. And whilst people are talking through the plot on one side of the screen, on the other side of the screen, we're seeing additional information constantly. So, like, okay. if someone says, so oh, I was doing this thing, we might see that on the other side. Or we might see that that was a lie. Mm. Or while someone's, like, maybe, like, flirting with somebody, we see, like, this childhood trauma where they were, like, you know, like, uh, uh, like 
women were cruel to them as a child, so that's mm-hmm. why he's the killer now, that kind of thing. Or, like, there's a whole, like, there's an organist in it, and sometimes while the organ music is playing and highlighting the drama, it'll just cut to the organist on the other side. <laughs> it's really neat, actually. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad movie, either. It's it's pretty I, good. I so. seen Rick- no, there's plenty of, of gimmicks. Yeah. Uh, Coppola was supposed to remix oh, uh, Twixt scenes as he went along. Uh, neat I, idea, but did they uh, ever actually do it? No, they, they, I think they did it once. There was like one screening where he actually got to do it, and then it, just the movie... The studio got cold feet, and they decided just to release it. And it sucks, yeah. by the way. Twixt is a terrible yeah. movie. The whole point of the movie uh, is that it was supposed to be completely organic, and it could change the plot and mm-hmm. the characters and the tone and the music on the fly. And then they just released it on DVD in one cut. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just yeah. completely missing the point. Regardless of whether or not it's good, it completely misses mm-hmm. the point. But to the uh, other anyway, question, though. Uh, the other question. Uh, movies the, that changed because of... Uh, mm-hmm. Our movies that... We changed the way we looked at these movies because of jobs that we mm-hmm. had. That was the idea. Um, Okay, so the movie Mank came out just last year. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, we gave it a negative review because it's not a good movie. No, uh, not and, particularly. It's not, it's not the worst thing ever. Or yeah. It's just not good. Uh, and I'm also a projectionist, so I noticed when they were trying to fake it and failing. Mm. One, of, one of the conceits of Mank was uh, they shot in black and white, presumably to resemble the films of the era, yeah? Uh, I mean, theoretically. That, that, that's, yeah, at least to so, evoke it, yeah. First of all, the lighting is all wrong. If you've seen old movies, you know the lighting is different. The editing is all wrong. The editing is just terrible in that movie. Yeah. And uh, it's also, uh, they decided to add, even though they shot it digitally, they decided to add little cue marks up in the upper right-hand corner. Yeah. Now, and if, if, if you've you... seen, if you've ever seen these, uh, you mm-hmm. might see them on like an old YouTube video where it's an old print and they didn't bother to remove those. Uh, but if you've seen something that was projected on film, you'll, you might notice those little circles up in the upper right-hand corner. Mm-hmm. Those are cue marks because... They're not called uh, cigarette burns. They're not called... That was made up for the film Fight Club. Nobody calls them cigarette burns. We call them <laughs> cue marks. Uh, and uh, they appear at certain intervals at the end of a reel because uh, the first one you see is meant to signal the projectionist to start the other projector. Films don't uh, project on one gigantic reel, unless you're using platter. Yeah. But um, they would come on a few and uh, the way we do it at the new Beverly is we just run 20 minute reel to 20 minute reel to 20 minute reel. There's multiple changeovers throughout. And the first cue is meant to signal you to turn on the, the next projector. And the second one was like a moment before you change directly into it. And if you do it right there, it's se- seamless. You don't notice any sort of changes. This, the movie just continues. In Mank, they decided to add those little cue marks. Mm-hmm. Cute. All right. Every 20 yeah. minutes or so, you'll see a little cue mark on it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so they were artificially added. There's also in a scope aspect ratio. Scope, that's the 239 aspect ratio. As opposed very, to the, very wide scope. Yeah, like, yeah. like really wide rectangle. Uh, scope is short for cinema scope. And um, now, if you know anything about film or projecting, you'll know that in order to fit that wide an image onto a film strip is they actually compress the image and then you use a special lens to stretch it back out. It's not actually a wider film strip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they print those compressed images, they leave the little cue marks on there and they're round, little round dots on the film strip. But when you stretch it out, it becomes an oval. So on a scope print, it's a little oval print. Mank was in scope aspect ratio, but those cue marks were round. Fuck you, you got that detail wrong. (laughs) Have you have you wrote into IMDb in the goofs? No, that would be great. I don't know if that's in there or not. You should totally write but in yeah, and make that a thing. But because because I'm a projectionist <laughs> and I pay attention to these kinds of things, I saw that. It's like that's wrong. How yeah. dare you? How dare you insult our intelligence as an audience by getting the shape of the cue marks wrong? Yeah. Oh God. I don't think 
I've ever had a job. I mean, I've had experiences mm. that have altered the way I look at movies, and I've known people who've had jobs. Like, for example, um, uh, like the older I got, the more I was aware of what my, my I was raised by educators. My mother mm. was a teacher. My father was a teacher, but for most of my life, he was in administration. Um, and yeah, I knew more about what went on behind the scenes in mm-hmm. education than the majority of my friends. So, like, you know, while my friends were talking about, oh, my God, I saw my teacher at the grocery store. I didn't know they were real people. And I'm like, <laughs> my fucking parents, dude. <laughs> but, like, I know how movies get almost almost unilaterally get that job wrong. Hmm. Don't care how, about how it works. Just don't have any fucking interest. Hmm. Um, so that's something that's long since been ruined by, like, the older I got and the more I knew about it. But, um most of my jobs, like, films very rarely get the art of film criticism right, because they usually don't bother putting those characters in there. And if mm. they do, they die. <laughs> like Bob they're, Balaban. They're Lady killed, the, yeah, they're killed the by scrunts. Yeah. Uh, so that's, mm. whatever, I've long since gotten used mm. to that, although it's killed, still... Uh, killed by scrunts should be a, our band. <laughs> it's an all-critic band called Killed by Scrunts. <laughs> uh, scrunts were the name of the grass wolf mos- monsters in M. Night Shyamalan's Lady in the Water. Um, but, but one of those monsters killed the critic character. Yeah, I think he's the only character in that movie who dies. I think he is. <laughs> yeah, such a such a fucking right after someone insults him too. Yeah, like who who would be who would be so monstrous as to be a film critic? <laughs> ah! Like, come on, what the hell? We're ready, we're sitting in the theater, dude. Hey, Shyamalan, make better movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, most of my jobs that I've had like that weren't like in film hmm. uh, were things like I worked at a bookstore or I worked at a video store. I worked hmm. at a movie theater and some movies get retail better than others. We just reviewed a movie um, on critically acclaimed called Slacks, S-L-A-X-X, hmm. which was about working at a corporate driven clothing store. And there's a pair of killer slacks that kill everybody because they're haunted. It's a silly movie, but it's actually pretty good. And uh, I actually thought they got the, air of working in a corporate driven environment where they're trying to basically brainwash you into thinking like they want their ideal salespeople to think. Mm. I just thought they got that pretty right. But um yeah, I guess I don't have as good a story as Mink. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, no, I've, I've worked plenty of retail jobs too. In yeah. fact, that's why I wanted to talk about we reviewed a film uh, both of us separately on two different episodes reviewed a film called Porno. Uh, oh, yeah. Which takes place in a movie theater, and a lot of my existence has spent been spent working in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there were a lot of details they got right about what it's like to work in a movie theater, what it's like to be in a theater after hours, what it's like to be bored and having to wear those awful vests. Those are my favorite ties. parts of that movie. I actually thought yeah. the horror stuff in that movie was what totally let it down. Yeah, the, the horror the horror movie stuff's not that interesting, really but they find this like archive room, and that's kind of interesting. But yeah, once it gets into yeah. the horror, it's not not Never really worked. interesting. Anyway, moving on. Um, thank you for the letter. That was really for cool. the letter. Here's yeah. a letter from Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny. Wow. Tom, uh, well, or perhaps a completely we, unrelated Tom Kenny. We, I do uh, not know. Uh, most people probably mention you as the voice of SpongeBob, but I loved you in that sketch comedy series from 1993 called The Edge, which we reviewed on Cancel Too Soon. We reviewed on Cancel Too Soon. Yeah. Um, anyway, hello, Ro- Rock and Bibsmeister McCool. Uh, regarding your musical letters podcast, I wanted to know who each of you should be in an actual onstage production. And then who he should play in a movie production. Uh, Bibbs, who do you think Whitney should play? Whitney, who do you think Bibbs should play? Oh, just in an iconic musical kind of role? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, And if after you read this, I have thoughts on what you should play. So do not read until after you answer. Okay, fair enough. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. 
By the way, if you're not if you're not the Tom Kenny we're talking about, we're just being silly. I'm we're just sure being you, silly. You probably get that a lot. I, I apologize. Yeah. yeah if, if we if we did something that everybody does, my name's Whitney. Mm-hmm. I was called Whitney Houston. Yeah. Uh, up till today. So yeah, don't. Mm. Uh, I apologize. I know what it's like. All right. Um. But it's a, it's a fun question. So Whitney, who would? Mm. What kind of role do you think? Mm. I and now yeah. not like not like when I was like in high school and yeah. actually doing musical theater. I, I could see you like emerging right at the end of a big musical, like you're the celebrity guest, like your your chair swivels around and everybody cheers. Oh, come on! Uh, so so really you'd you'd be like it. you'd be like the big boss and how to con- how to succeed in business without really trying. Um, I forgot the character's name. JB Bigley. Yeah, that guy. I played JB Bigley in high school. Did you really? I did. Oh well. <laughs> Randall Ivy. I, play, I played that character, and I, that's hilarious. Well, then I have you pegged, I guess. <laughs> you do. Holy crap. Of all the fucking musicals in all the world, that was the one you pegged. Wowzers. Okay. How do I well, compete with I'll, that? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll save you a little bit. I, I played uh, Teddy in Arsenic and Old Lace no, so, you're not uh, doing that. in high school. No, I vetoed that. You're not mm. doing that shit. That's not a musical, though. No. You know, actually, I could see you doing it would actually be um, uh, Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors. You'd see me as Seymour? I actually think it'd be a fun Seymour. All right. I think it'd be a fun Seymour. I could do Seymour. Yeah, I think you'd no be good way. at it. I think I, you'd probably want to be the dentist because everyone everybody wants, to be, wants the, to be the dentist. I, be, I, I did the dentist in high school, but like no, I, every, I, the, I, I always auditioned to be the dentist in nice. a college production. But no, I think didn't I th- get the role. I think it'd be a good Seymour. I do. I think you're, right. you've got a very lovable, mm. like kind of dorky kind of quality to your performance <laughs> style. I think mm. it really works, and I think it'd be really great. Plus, he doesn't have any barn burning musicals because I don't have the the fire engine voice that I used to have. Was that the whole question, or was it like a second uh, well, part? Well, the, the, there's a second part now. Uh, they're going to reveal what they think. Okay, we should cool. be in. I would love so, to um, Bibbs, you should be Thomas Jefferson and Hamilton. I don't think I'd be allowed to be Thomas Jefferson yeah. and Hamilton, but that's an amazing role. You could be you could be King George. I'd actually be really good King George, I think. Uh, but no, that's that, thank you. That's that's yeah. very flattering. <laughs> and Whitney, I should be Nathan Detroit. <laughs> Ah, oh, it says Nathan Detroit in Forty Second Street, though. Is there a different Nathan Detroit in Forty Second Street? I don't think Nathan, Nathan Detroit from Guys and Dolls. Nathan Detroit from yeah. Guys and Dolls. I, I think they mean Guys and Dolls. Oh, yeah. You'd be good, Nathan Detroit. I really wanted to play Nathan Detroit. I, I lobbied <laughs> so hard. I lobbied so hard to get Guys and Dolls done, done at our high school, and I lost out every single time. In yeah. in, uh, in in college, uh, I auditioned to be Nathan Detroit in mm. the college production of Guys and Dolls. They put me on the roster for Nicely Nicely. Yeah, you'd be good. That was uh, one of my yeah. other thoughts. Actually, was that you'd be good Nicely Nicely. Oh, okay. yeah. And uh, but then I was taken off the roster because I had failed calculus, and when you fail a class, you can't be in any plays, even if you're a theater major. Ah, it sucked at that school. That does suck. I was a theater major who couldn't be in plays, so yeah. I was like you know, stage crew for a lot of it. Um, who would, who would, I'm curious if anyone else wants to uh, email us about this topic. No pressure. Uh, if there is a role, particularly a musical, but really just any iconic role, mm. if they remade it or something and you would want to see me or Whitney play it, I'd be very curious. I would be very, 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 very curious, especially Whitney. <laughs> so uh, yeah, send, send them in if you got any ideas and if you don't no no pressure. Mm. Um, is that it for Tom for uh, Tom's letter? Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, thank you for writing in, Tom. That's mm-hmm. a that's a fun one. And um, yeah, we were both musical theater kids. I'm sure. Right. I, I still have dreams about it. Sometimes I'm like, okay, we need to do how to succeed in business and without really trying right now. And I'm like, I haven't played that role in 25 years. And <laughs> <laughs> damn. 
Uh, Next letter. Please. All right. Uh, this one comes from George. Um, dear Bibbs and Rockmeister McCumhale. <laughs> Rockmeister Finn McCool and Finn McCummel are old Irish. I get myth it. about the Giants cosplay. Uh, anyway. Hi, George. Um, as a non-binary person, I can observe the casting of cis actors playing trans roles of the opposite gender, and sometimes I'd think I'd actually... I'd actually seen cis characters of the opposite gender, namely Mr. Eddie Redmayne, an actor who I normally find insufferable, but his role in The Danish Girl, where he possibly accidentally characterized Lily uh, Elby as a petulant, unlikable, self-obsessed flapper, I suddenly had the brainwave. If they ever make a film of the Box of Delights, he'd be a great Sylvia Daisy Pouncer. For those not in the know, The Box of Delights is a classic 1930s British children's fantasy novel by John Maysfield about a young boy who has helped him... Who, is helped by a mysterious doctor-like time-traveling old man in his quest to rescue a magical box that gives the owner superpowers. Sylvia Daisy Pouncer is the hero's evil ex-nanny in the 1985 BBC slash PBS slash Nickelodeon miniseries played by Rocky Horror's Patricia Quinn. And I thought, by accident, Redmayne had managed to capture that campness. People, notably like Mike Newell, have been trying to get a film off the ground, and now I can... I cannot see anyone else in that role but Eddie Redmayne. Some fear that you might go a bit pantomime dame. That's panto in the British sense of Christmas plays for fa- uh, that is family based on fairy tales with men playing women and women playing men. Full on body one lighters and British humor. Uh, but but if he was provided to play it straight, I think he might ace it. I also feel similar with Stephen Dorff, having seen him ac- uh, actually looking convincingly feminine as Candy Darling and I Candy Darling and I shot Andy Warhol. Yes, he was miscast, but he managed to pull it off. And the fact that he had a Liverpool accent and backbeat, I've long thought I'd love to see him in a grand damn grand damn Guignol baby Jane type role as a faded Northern English soap actress, something in the mold of killing the killing of Sister George. Have you seen the killing of Sister George? No. Uh, great. Uh, gothic lesbian murder drama cool um have you ever thought about this you think gender be damned that actor would be perfect especially as i hope one day we can have kind of genderless casting especially as we have more non-binary actors some of whom may not have a problem with playing a certain gender yours george white for now at least thinking of changing my name to something agender you're free to make suggestions oh that's not um, our place to say i think I know. Um, but, uh, good for you yeah, that's, that's well, great um uh, if you know if, if your old name was george why not uh Geo, G-E-O. First three letters of your name. That's an, that's an agender name. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel, cool. like, it's my, I don't feel uh, like it's my place to make a suggestion, but I appreciate uh, yeah. that you'd be interested. Um, first off, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's something that we're going to have to have a conversation about. And I don't think, you know, as the the heterosexual in the had, on the had, podcast had, yeah. no, um i don't think it's i don't think it's my place to say where this should go yeah. but i do think I'll, what i will say um as we are becoming uh, more uh accepting and increasingly uh more uh, as hollywood becomes more diverse and yeah. actually gives yeah. roles to more people and that's too slow but we need to push oh, for it. It's a fucking glacier, but yeah. I know, I know. We need, but we, if we don't, if we stop talking about it, mm. they'll they'll get lazy and decide and to stay, do it. But, stay still. Yeah, they'll be assholes. So like, we got to keep talking about it. But um, as we incorporate more, uh, mm. you know, non-binary uh, mm. characters, actors, trans actors, um, we're gonna start looking at casting in a more fluid way, mm. and. I think that's really exciting, and I think that that's something that I would like to see more of. Yeah, I think that's actually incredibly. Um, that, I, I think that actually frees up 
like a lot of the art that we've seen to be less yeah. rigid and this actually just have more interesting experiences captured on film. I want mm. more of that, please. Yeah, and and you're not even mentioning uh the some of the more famous like sort of cross gender roles. Uh, Hairspray is famously yeah. one. Um uh, Divine played Edna Turnblad in the original movie, yeah. then uh, Harvey Firestein played it on on Broadway and then they got John Travolta to play Edna Turnblad in mm. the film of the musical. Sure. Uh, there's also uh, Billy Lee played by uh, Linda Hunt in Year of Living Dangerously. Yeah. Um, she just played a male character. Yeah, there was not a thing. There was no mm. like re- revelation or anything. No. Unfortunately, she was also playing a non-white character and that made it pretty shitty. Ra- racially insensitive, but yeah. it was you know, gender open, which was nice. Yeah, certainly interesting. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of... A, oh, um, <laughs> this, this might not be the best example, but Vincent Gallo played a nun in Freeway 2. You ever see Freeway Part 2? No. <laughs> I can't say that I've seen yeah, Vin- Freeway Part 2. Vin- Vincent Gallo plays a nun. Okay. It's it's pretty kooky. And um, yeah. let me look up the name of... I mean, of, the comedy uh, is, of course, full of this. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking of something like uh, Kind Hearts and Coronets, mm. where or, uh, Alec f- Guinness plays literally every member of mm. this one family, regardless yeah. of gender. Including the woman. Um, yeah. I mean, heck, didn't didn't... Was it Larry David who played a nun in The Three Stooges? I believe that's, it was. That was it. That, but I yeah, again, that's that's yeah. for comedy purposes. Exactly, it's a different vibe. Because there's always um, that little tee-hee mm. kind of like inflection to that. Like we're not actually going to deal with the ramifications of this being reality. Mm. There's just sort of like, ah, see, yeah. Eric Idle's playing a woman. Like, yeah, he is. Mm. Just let me enjoy this. Um, it was. I think it was, it was Meg Foster. She's. Uh, you probably saw her in like They Live and a few other genre films from the eighties. She was Evelyn and Masters of yeah, the Universe. She played uh, Big Mo, uh, the the sort of like uh, gender fluid gangster in Richard Elfman's film Shrunken Heads. Oh, I thought that was a really cool character. Um, All right. So yeah, it, it 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 crops up from time to time where uh, you know gender is not necessarily openly considered when it comes to a character. And I, yeah. I know, uh, in fact, a lot of characters have changed gender, um, depending on the screenplay to when it was actually, the yeah. film was actually completed. That's true. Um, wasn't that the case of Ellen Ripley in, uh, in I Alien? I think it might have been the case of Ripley. It was definitely the case in the movie Salt, oh, where yeah. uh, the character, I think, was originally written to star Tom Cruise. Okay. And then they just decided it was Angelina Jolie now. But, yeah. Yeah, who cares? It doesn't matter. Probably a better movie, honestly. I like Salt. So, salt um, is great, by the way. Yeah, salt kicks ass. Salt's yeah. a good flick. Um, but yeah, yeah anyway. but, but but yeah. To, to, to reiterate what yeah. you said, th- this idea of um, focusing less on gendered performances and as more non-binary artists uh, make start making films and start starring in movies, mm-hmm. the idea of casting is going to start changing. Um, yeah. uh, it was recently, uh, as of this recording, it was recently Trans Day of Visibility and. Uh, I read uh, on Twitter, um, a working actress, I forgot who it was, but she pointed out that um, more casting agents need to start putting out there, if you're going to cast a male or a female character, put in parentheses, it's okay to cast a trans actor or actress yeah. in that role. Yeah. Uh, because because they're, they're, because they're men and women, and yeah. that, that that's a great way to just do this like subtle behind the scenes push to get more trans actors work and mm-hmm. put them in more visible roles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, again, I think the time has come. I think the time has long since fucking come. But, but um, uh, um, I'm uh, the, I think. But yeah, we're, we've been talking about it a lot more openly in the last like only in 
like it's been a greater part of the public discourse for a, a pretty short amount of time. Uh, so um, it, it's I'm glad that it's moved as quickly as it has, frankly, but it's still moving so freaking glacially. Yeah, we, we can make much, much greater horror pushes and, yeah. and it's about time for us to start doing that. All right. Well, let's move on. Yeah. Thank you for your letter. That's yeah. a great letter. Here is a letter from a pirate. Uh, hello, William and Whitney. I'm a big fan. I wanted to bring up something you guys don't have to experience. I am from the White Rock, British. I'm from White Rock, British Columbia, Canada. Okay. Uh, being north of the border, we have yet to receive HBO Max, Peacock, and a bunch of other streaming services. We also have no movie theaters open, so I will be pirating Kong ver- Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, The Conjuring, etc. I'm a bad man. I'm sorry. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> P.S. Please bring back the two shot. Uh, you hit your niche when you were reviewing series people had never heard of uh, or or never knew how many movies there had been like prom night. Uh, no one else does that. Please bring it back. Much love. A pirate. I do love mm. talking about like whole franchises, but actually whole franchises and not mm. like just the ones people prefer to think about. Um, and yeah, there's 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 like way more prom night movies than, mm. you know, <laughs> It's really weird. There's only five, but yeah. There's, there's, but there's more than you know. Most people yeah. can only name like two or maybe three if they remember the remake and nobody remembers the remake. Um, I loved the two shot. The two shot was a lot of fun. And, you know, there's one thing that you can tell like from our various podcasts is we love being thorough. Problem <laughs> is it's time consuming being thorough and sometimes we bite off more than we can chew and we're doing our best to keep, uh, keep uh, on top of everything. Mm. So it's hard enough as it is, but who knows? Maybe someday we'll bring it back. Um... But uh, so the question is about pirating and Mm. the question is uh, when movies are not available, what are the ethics of piracy? And my opinion on that has evolved somewhat over the years. Mm. I used to be very just no piracy, no piracy bad. Um, Artists deserve that money. Well, they do work on that. That's true. They do deserve that money. But uh, in a perfect world, here's how it, how it would work. Mm. The rights to every movie would be either known mm. or everything would be in public domain that is supposed to be in public domain. Everything would be very, very clear. Who owns what? Yeah. Everything would be available on physical media and streaming. And every time you rented something or watched something in streaming, the people who made that movie, not just the studio, but the artists, if they're still alive, uh, would get at least some piece of that. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's the way it should work. Artists work really hard to bring us these things. And if we say that they're, you know, we should be, we're entitled to all of their hard work for free. We're devaluing art and the artist. And I think that inherently sucks. Mm. However, that's not the world in which we live. Is it? We don't live in a world where every movie is readily available. We mm. don't live in a movie where streaming services are available everywhere you go. We live in a world in the pandemic where movie theaters are closed. I mean, we're getting out of that finally, but like it's still taking time. Um, and there's a lot of movies out there where they're not available at all, either because no one knows who owns the rights or no one cares who owns the rights um, or they're lost, which sucks. In those particular instances, that last category where the movie is not available to stream anyway, mm. or it's not available to purchase on home video anyway. Or, uh, or if, if it's available to purchase on home video, but because of weird algorithms, it costs like $6,000. Yeah. Like, it, it, like it's cost prohibitive. Yeah. 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 At that point, piracy becomes 
not so much like this unethical thing that you're doing, but actually this kind of like cyberpunk kind of film curation <laughs> where if we don't keep circulating the tapes to borrow mm -hmm. a line from MST3K, uh, these things will die because no one will know they exist. No one will know to look for them. No one will know to talk about them. We need that. We yeah. need to make sure that these films remain available. My whole thing is this. The goal, I think, of piracy should not be to just get free movies. The goal of piracy should be to make sure that these movies stay alive, stay in the public consciousness, and then hopefully get released properly in a way that hopefully benefits the people who made the film or at the very least cleans up the negative, makes it look real nice, and like preserves it for posterity. Um, and I feel if you pirate something, once it becomes legally available to you, you're obligated to buy it. Yeah. Or at least pay to rent it. Like, mm. that's that's the thing. And so I think it's a little different if you're looking at, for example, I'm actually not sure how unavailable this is, but last I checked, the Hitchcock movie Under Capricorn is was not available anywhere. Mm. It might be now. I don't know. But, like, when last I checked, it was not. Um, Under Capricorn is this largely forgotten uh, sort of melodrama about uh, people living in Australia and uh, how they're leaving their criminal pasts in England behind. And it's actually pretty good, honestly. Ingrid Bergman's really good in it. Um, but um, yeah, it was unavailable for, for anywhere. So yeah, that's a little different, I feel, to find that on some streaming, you know, some like YouTube video or torrent or whatever. I think it's a little different to track that down if it's completely unavailable than it is to pirate Kong versus Godzilla right now when eventually yeah, and, and it will the, be available. Mm. And I, I'm not judging you because mm. I realize you're in a shitty situation right now, but I feel like it's a little different. Mm. And again, I feel like if you're going to do that, then whether you like the movie or not, when it becomes available to you, 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 you owe them. Yeah, you, yeah, you should buy yeah, a ticket. Yeah, you should to pay to rent it on Amazon, or, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. When it, when it comes to new movies, like trying to get movies ahead of release schedule, um, you, you live in Canada. It, this is a place where this these movies are presumably going to eventually be released. Hmm. Um, Kong, v, Kong v Godzilla will have a Blu-ray. I can assure you. Yeah, it's a. Uh, the, and they're not going to. So it's that that movie at least is something like that. Though, it's yeah. ju if it's just a matter of patience, that's piracy and that sucks. There, there's yeah. not not something. Just wait. Just wait. Yeah. I know the rest of the world is talking about it. You feel like you're missing out. It's that whole FOMO thing. And that sucks. I, I can't. I can't do the hashtag on Twitter. That, that sucks. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. But. At the same time, also you can wait. And, yeah. uh, and I, again, I'm not going to judge <clears throat> you because I know it's a shitty yeah. time right now, and I'm I'm seriously not judging you at mm -hmm. all. Um, but at no, the I'm, same yeah, time, I'm, we I have I have my take on it, yeah, and I know some people who are all about piracy is like this noble endeavor in all cases. I disagree with that. No, not and necessarily. I, and I um, think I think there are definitely cases where it is. I also think there are but, definitely uh, cases where it's not. And William, you wouldn't yeah. steal a handbag. Oh God, <laughs> if you're young, you might not understand the exquisite hell that was this you, you can awful, get, awful. You can get T-shirts now that say oh. you wouldn't steal a handbag in that old screen. There font. used to be this like uh, this clip in front of every VHS or DVD in like the 2000s. It's like the early 2000s. The, yeah. Somewhere between like 2000 2009, there was this sweet spot where every fucking movie it seemed had this one PSA in front of it. Public service announcement. And the PSA was, and it had this like really like pumping kind of hardcore badass music like boom 
And the whole thing is, it was like grungy footage of people stealing things, like people stealing a handbag and people mm-hmm. stealing a car. Dude, and it was like, do, 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 do. you yeah. wouldn't steal a handbag, would you? You wouldn't steal a car, would you? Then why would you pirate a movie? <laughs> and I'm like, because it's, it's not that stealing. fucking simple, is it? God. It's not my fault you haven't released under Capricorn. What do you want from me? <laughs> um, again, it's complicated, and we all... It's a, it's, a, it's a moral gray area for a lot of people, and some places it's not gray at all. Some people might argue, but you know, you're going to make these decisions for yourselves, and I'm not going to judge you too harshly for it. Um, and that's kind of where I stand on that. Again, there are, I think there are absolutely times when piracy is a noble endeavor because yeah, this is literally not available any if, other way, but even then, you should in, try to pay for it when you can. Yeah, in, in those instances, when the pirate becomes this sort of uh, ersatz archivist, then uh, then that then it's noble. Yeah. You're, you're keeping things alive. Um, yeah. A lot if, of the shows if, uh, that we review on Cancel Too Soon are not officially available. Like, yeah. try finding Suburban Beat on DVD. <laughs> Please, let but, us know where it is. I'd love somebody, to buy that. <laughs> somebody bootlegged it up on YouTube, so yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where you watch something like that. Yeah. So anyway, um, it's, it's a it's a weird issue. A lot. Some companies or some record labels are actually uh, like really strict about certain kinds of yeah. like finding certain kinds of songs. Try to find uh, any rendition of like I want to be sedated on YouTube. They're not on there. Oh They're really? The Ramones. Um, okay. Or you know, I, it wasn't until Prince died that you could start finding Prince songs on YouTube because mm. Pr- the Prince was really, really strict about where his music was being released. As was his right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's yeah. He, he's permitted, and uh, so yeah, uh, he he wanted to make sure that people were getting his music in a way that he approved. That is, like, yeah. buy his records and listen to them yeah. the way he wants you to. Yeah, this is the right um, mix and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, if if however there was like some. Uh, record label it was like blocking you from getting Prince's music yeah bootleg Prince's music spread it around because I want people to hear Prince's music and he probably will want you to hear it too yeah uh, I, I remember uh, during that whole Napster scandal and how Metallica became this sort of like big anti-piracy yeah. thing about stealing their music and everyone's uh, like, you're not like, cool, Metallica. I'm like, like and listen, Metallica man. was millionaires. Don't get me wrong. They were like, already super yeah, wealthy. No one's yeah. pretending that like Metallica was like one free Napster download away from being destitute and on the street. Mm. However, <laughs> they did have a point, didn't they? They did make that. You I, know? I, I remember it's, it's in, theirs. They have a tiger. Mm. They have a right to sell it. It has value. In, in, interview, in an interview with a Weird Al uh, during the whole Napster thing, he asked, what do you think of Napster? You know, people just sort of getting your music for free that you don't get a dime of that. And he's like, well, that really hurts me as an artist because I would rather people buy the record and I get some money for that and I get some credit for that. But on the other hand, I can get all the Metallica music I want for free. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Weird Al. But it's also like when you highlight just like whether or not like it affects Metallica, mm. you know, it's like, oh, Warner Brothers might not get your Kong versus Godzilla money. Fair. That's mm. they, Warner Brothers can probably afford that shit. Uh, they they, they could afford, and I'm yeah. sure they they even like worked that into their accounting. Like a I'm certain sure number did. of of views are going to be bootlegs. Yeah, that's probably probably the case. But it's the people who aren't making a billion dollars who are trying to get their foot in the door here, who are working their way up from from less. Mm. You know, the people for whom every album sale actually is a lot of money to them. Those are the people who get screwed mm. over by that system. And that's something I think we need to remind ourselves is that there are artists who cannot afford to give away art. Mm. People who are actually working their ass off and aren't getting paid probably what they deserve 
yeah. for the quality of their work, and that that counts. So again, piracy. It's not a cut and dry situation, at least not in every instance. But I do encourage you to try to think about it, all of it from all angles, and decide for yourself if what you're doing is ethical or not. Yeah. That's it. That's where I'll leave it. Again, not going to judge you. That's not my mm-hmm. place. I'm not. Uh, that's not my right. Um, and I and I get it. I do. We might differ on it, but I get it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, here's a letter from. Thank Tom. you for your letter. By thank the you way, for I appreciate that always, you would care about our opinion. As always, thank you for your letter. Yeah. Um, here's a letter from Thomas. Uh, Hello, Bibbs and Thunderfist McCool. Ooh. I am Rockmeister, sir. <laughs> Thunderfist is my father's name. <laughs> <laughs> Thunderfist was my father. Call me Rockmeister. Um, I have a quick question for you that I hope is fun and different. Ooh. What are some bands or artists that you wish you were able to have seen live? Yeah. This can be from a band breakup or retirement or an artist from long ago. And the only rule is you uh, that you aren't able to see them at all anymore. Right. Uh, for what it's worth, my picks would be uh, Joy Division, uh, the Jimi Hendrix exper- Experience, Bob Marley, Le- Led Zeppelin, and the Eagles. Well, those are all cool. Um, thank you for putting me, uh, put out all the content you do. I look forward to your next episode. Sincerely, Thomas. I have seen painfully few concerts in my life. That's well, what that's was your first concert? Like George when? Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic. Ooh, how old were you? I was like 18. Oh, that old. Okay. Yeah, yeah. my parents didn't take me to concerts and I wasn't right. like allowed to go on my own. No. So I just, I, that was my, fr- I think that was my first. That's a good one though. It was either that or Poe. <laughs> Poe's a good one too. Poe was fun. But she's not really in the public eye I'm, anymore. But you know, I'm pretty good sure musician. I'm 98 percent sure it was. It was around around the same time. Mm-hmm. But I'm 98 percent sure it was George Clinton. And Medusa opened, and she was amazing. Med- <laughs> nice. Uh, that 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 was. That, and honestly, that's a high bar. <laughs> it's a high bar to start yeah. with. Um, yeah, my, my, my first concert was Spinal Tap so ooh, <laughs> when I was 12 wow, uh, and, that's cool and, and what, what was that weird thing I kept smelling throughout the concert <laughs> it smells like Otto's jacket <laughs> <laughs> um, I see, I've seen Weird Al a bunch um, I've, I've seen a bunch of impressive musicians that I'm really really well, happy see, to have seen you've seen Prince right? I, I, I was like 10 feet from Prince once <sighs> They they messed up and they like ushered us into the, like the wrong box so we got uh, like right up front because that's that's like right up like Prince and Bowie mm. are like my number like one and two there yeah right? like, I know yeah. oh, so I never I get nev- to see them never got to see Bowie but like I, yeah I'm, I'm jealous that you got mm. to see Prince but I'll never get to see mm. Prince or Bowie and that that sucks I got, I got to see a double yeah. bill of Morrissey and Tom Jones that was really odd like he liked to have like that's different awesome. kinds of acts open Wait, for a Morrissey yeah so uh, yeah. Tom Jones was the opening Tom act Jones for Morrissey. opened for Morrissey opened not for the Morrissey. other way around no 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 I assumed it was the other way around that's so weird yeah. that's weird so, dude. so he's singing thunderball and then you know <laughs> borsi gets out and he's a dick and sings meet his murder you know it's a that's hilarious uh, yeah. that's really uh, i wish i could have done a, a do-over of devo um i got mm. to see devo in concert once and uh, it was one of those uh, uh al- one of those concerts where they performed one of their albums all the way through in track yeah. order and Devo put out really short records. It was like a 30 minute concert and then they just shoot us out. It's like, no, where's the second set? We just got one set. That's it. This is the 30 minute concert. Yeah. It sucks. And we were, uh, me and, uh, me and my wife went and we were near a near the back and B like behind this line of just like elephantine people. Like they were just way taller than us. So we couldn't, yeah. we couldn't see the band. Oh, that's nice. And so, yeah, we, we feel like we kind of didn't get a good Devo show. You, get, you, and then, you should have gotten a mulligan on that. Yeah. That, that and, sucks. And then Jerry Casali died, so wow. yeah. Then that was, so we can't do that anymore. Uh, uh, you know what? You know what band I never saw mm. and actually didn't even discover until the lead singer had died was the Cramps. 
Oh, uh, I, like I, I had seen the Cramps logo on people's jackets. You know, it's like, oh, I know they are a band, but I never bothered to look into what the Cramps were. Yeah. And then Lux Interior died, and everybody said, oh, Lux Interior, and all these weird people came to his funeral. It's like, who was this guy? Who is Lux Interior? Yeah. And I looked at, it, I was like, where has this band been my whole life? Oh wait, they're dead now. <laughs> <laughs> Lux and Ivy aren't doing the thing anymore because Lux is dead. Uh, so I started like digging into the cramps. Like this, I missed out. Yeah. This should have come into my life like 15 years earlier. Yeah, you have no control over that. Yeah, unfortunately that not. Idea. But yeah, I, I missed I missed the wave on the cramps. So it, yeah. had I known about them, I would I mean, have gone. I would have fought to see the cramps. I mean, it's concert. so it's so easy to pick some of the obvious ones like Hendrix. Yeah, would have been phenomenal, or Janis mm. Joplin, or the Beatles, or Nirvana. Mm. You know, the big ones who just mm. will never get back again. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who's like kind of random who I would have loved to have seen. Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim would have been good. Tiny Tim would have been a cool band. Would yeah. have been a cool act to see. I, I carried his obituary in my pocket for a long time. Okay. Because you know, I'm sad when he died. And I know. Fair I, enough. I wrote this very nice obituary yeah, of him. Really so I had this little picture of a Tiny Tim in my in my wallet. That's really sweet. Dude. <laughs> it's really really sweet. And Abba. <laughs> I love Abba, dude. They're, they're all divorced now. Uh, <laughs> um, Electric Light Orchestra probably probably put on a great mm. show. Never got to see it. Yeah. Um, Here, I'll, I'll tell you what. Here here's a really really oblique um, choice. Mm. The premiere of the 1812 Overture. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, now, now that's a when, bit, that's a great when, when when Tchaikovsky first uh, first composed the 1812 Overture it was you know the the, the triumph of uh, over the the French armies and um the way they perform, you've heard the, the 1812 overture, you're especially familiar yeah. with the big climax. Da, 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 and yeah. the original uh, rendition of the 1812 overture was meant to be performed, from what I understand, and there's going to be people who write in to correct me on a lot of these details, but yeah. this, is, this is the way it was passed to me as apocryphal. Uh, it was meant to be performed on sort of on the lip of a canyon. Think of like this big bowl-shaped canyon that on is rounded on one end on the other end le- leads out to sea. And it was meant to be performed like right at sunset. So the sun's coming down, everybody's illuminated right at the magic hour and they're playing this big long 20-minute piece of music. And the orchestra is in this and it's all naturally re- reverberating around. So it's all uh, naturally being amplified. And uh on the other end of the canyon is a church like the other, the opposite lip of the canyon, and on the other, uh, right above the orchestra, are cannons, <laughs> like wow. like real life fucking cannons. So when they get to that final crescendo, they start ringing church bells that are also echoing in with the music, and everything's blending together. And then they get to that dun 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 and then some cannons fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually like firing really real yeah. cannons over the heads of the orchestra into this canyon as the sun's going down. And there's church bells ringing and your brains are exploding out of your ears and you're feeling you're swelling with Russian pride. <laughs> I want to be there for that fucking show. That would be that would be really fucking amazing. <laughs> My dad had a story. I wish I could remember it in better detail, but he claims he got kicked out of a, of a Bob Dylan concert for heckling Bob Dylan by like yelling out shit from, I think it was Gunsmoke. Hey, Mr. Dylan, how does it feel? Oh, and then like, as apparently like, how does it feel? It just like, uh, like Rolling Stone had just come out and like, it was kind of, it was like people weren't necessarily down with the new Bob Dylan yet. And uh, apparently he, he claims it's the first time Bob Dylan ever played like a Rolling Stone in public. I have no idea how true that is. Mm. But my dad always claimed that Bob Dylan played like a Rolling Stone in public because he heckled him. 
as he and his friend were getting thrown out of the of the venue. <laughs> okay, he made that up. He might have made I, that I up. I think you're lying, Grandpa. I, no, yeah, I, I will a... say this. My dad my dad knew some weird people yeah. and he like he used to like work at a bar where like Roberta Flack got her start. Okay. Yeah, that is true. I know okay. that. They're, that's corroborated. Okay. <laughs> so, like, he threw Hunter S. Thompson out of that bar. Also corroborated. Uh, so like he knew some yeah. cool people and did some cool shit. But like I don't know how true that one is. But he had a lot of fun stories. And, <laughs> I, 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 you know what? Print threw, the legend. Yeah. Print the legend. I, I threw Hunter Thompson out of this bar is not an impressive story. No, All it's right? not. But it's a fun it's like story. A, it's like if you move to L.A. and you meet a guy who's like 22 years old and he's really into Charles Bukowski. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I went to this like this bus bench where Charles Bukowski passed out. Yeah. Sit on a bus bench in Los Angeles. Charles Bukowski <laughs> passed out on that. All right. My he's dad, a notorious alcoholic. My dad knew a guy at that bar who was famous for setting fire to a vacant lot. And nobody knows how he did that. <laughs> All thing of ways. What? <laughs> yeah. Why would you do? What are you burning? I burnt the ground to the ground. <laughs> Anyway, that's a fun. That's that's a fun one. Thank oh. you so much for writing in. That's a fun one. Thank you so much. What do we got next? Got uh, here, one here's a letter from Alan. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Rockmeister McCule, uh, I enjoyed your recent Iron List about the best movie musicals because musicals usually exist outside of reality, like comic books and comic book movies. There's sometimes some very WTF moments in movie musicals, and I wanted to mention two of them. Hmm. Uh, in Forty Second Street, besides the Ginger Roger moment, that Ginger Rogers moment that you mentioned, that uh, at the end of Forty Second Street, that's where Ginger Rogers turns to the less famous leading actress of that movie and says, you're going places. No, no. And what, then she what sinks into the background. Some, someone has to take over the lead of the show at the last minute. Mm. And Ginger Rogers like says, you're more talented than I am. You do it. And I'm like, she's mm. not, she's talented. Mm. You're Ginger fucking Rogers. No, I will <laughs> never buy that moment. If it wasn't for that moment, mm. that would have been my favorite musical yeah. ever. Anyway, uh, but anyway, um, uh, this was this was a movie about a big deal, big money Broadway musical, and Sirius Leone even thought of having an understudy for the lead. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, secondly, in the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, uh, the mother is upset because her store isn't doing well—a store that sells umbrellas and nothing else. Ever thought of branching out into I don't know mucklucks or raincoats? <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> People, there yeah, used to be more specialty hmm. stores than, than there are that's now true. because that's like true. you you couldn't. A, because like a lot of people would actually like really specialize and make very special versions of those things. A lot of things were handmade. Uh, There wasn't like quite as much um, uh, industrialization of these things. They Mm. weren't all being churned out and you weren't going to like wholesalers. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. The the idea of being able to just get anything and putting it in your store is relatively recent. Yeah. So yeah, that, that makes sense. I I remember it uh, it might read a little weird now, but I think it's fine. I remember in, in both, um, Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice and Autumn DeWilde's Emma, there's a scene where they go to get ribbons at the ribbon store <laughs> to tie ribbons around themselves. Well, it's like that. It seemed to be the only thing they sell was like specialized ribbons. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a store I've always <clears throat> liked and it's, it's still, I think mm. it's still there. Uh, the farmers, there's a farmer's market at a place in Los Angeles called the Grove. And the mm. Grove is this big sort of shopping center. It's not a mall. It's all outdoors. It's, it's a mall. It's, it's, it's yeah. kind of a mall, but it's an outdoor it's like, mall. It's like a, it's like a promenade. Mall, yeah. 
Um, and they got they got a movie theater there, and you know they have an Apple Store and a Seas Candies mm. and a Crate and Barrel and a Barnes and Noble. But they also have a farmers market, and the farmers market is actually really good. Well, the farmers market is is old. A lot of the yeah. stores in there are uh, have been there for decades. Yeah, like and there's a lot of and again there's uh, they they sell like fresh fruit and wonderful meat, Hand, and, handmade candy. Yeah, and like weird, really weird flavors of soft serve. Yeah, it's really good. You, you you can't like throw a rock in that place without hitting some good food. And I trust me, I've thrown some rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, there's a place in that store that it sells, only sells stickers. That's a sticker it. store. They just sell, they just sell stickers. And I have, I've, my whole life, I've marveled that that place is still there because seriously, <laughs> you don't charge that much for those stickers. How are you making enough to like pay the person at the, at the till this whole time? You know, like it just, I, I'm not sure how that I'm, I'm glad you're still there. Don't get me wrong. I assume we don't have a lot of overhead, but like, I mean, how much could it cost to buy s- stickers wholesale? Like you got the stickers, I guess. I just can't imagine you're selling that many every single day mm. to justify your rent. Like, I just don't know how they do it. I'm glad they do. I just don't get it. Maybe they're a front. Uh, I know. I think a lot of those businesses are rent protected. They've been there for a long time. Yeah, They're paying they're not, like $5 not, yeah. a month. Or yeah, something they're like not that. paying a lot. Well, they're probably not, but in any case, it's a, it's a fun story. I love that story. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Um, so, but okay, yeah, that's um, the thing. But he, he goes on. Oh, those are mine. I invite you to add some of your own WTF moments from mm. movie musicals. Okay. Also in the category of really bad movie musicals, which you must see just mm. for the experience, I would add the movie musical version of Lost Horizon. Really bad. Ooh. This is Alan signing off. I haven't seen that. That mm-hmm. sounds... Fucking terrible. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awful. Oh my god. Um, any any uh, uh, movie musical moments that stand out to you, Whitney? Mm. As sort of like a uh, like what like what is going on in this scene? Didn't, didn't Tom Cruise sing into someone's butt in Rock of Ages? I think he sang at someone's butt. Like he didn't yeah. sing directly into it. Well, no, yeah. but like I think it was the implication was mm. like I'm going to use this here, butt as a microphone. Here, here's what's really frustrating about Rock of Ages, Everything? among many of the things that are frustrating <laughs> about Rock. Rock of Ages is um, a jukebox musical that uses a lot of um, popular hair metal songs mm-hmm. uh, from typically from like the mid 1980s as their their turning point and. Bands like Bon Jovi and Night Ranger and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, the greatest bands of all time. Yeah. And in that movie, uh, the young the young lead character is trying to uh, start his own, like, poison kind of band. Mm-hmm. I guess this artificial heavy metal, hair metal kind of band. And uh, his arc is that he it, he can't make it work as a metal band because metal is sort of fading out. It's right yeah. when things are tipping into new kinds of musical genres. And he ends up joining a boy band instead. Mm. Like they change his look and he starts looking a lot more like NSYNC. Oh yeah, I remember that and, now, yeah. And this is a film that's arguing that there's actually more integrity and more artistic purity in playing for fucking Poison than there is for NSYNC. Like one is like purer and less commercial than the other. I think maybe one is like slightly more, but what, what, we're, we're splitting hairs at one that point. One is pop, one is pop metal. So what? You know, yeah. it's like... Okay, where's one's uh, edgier? I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, I suppose one's so. got an edge, one has no. Me- edge meanwhile, whatsoever. Gigi Allen is over there, like <laughs> pooping on the stage, <laughs> like slitting his chest in front of people. Oh, God. People are seeing the Ramones, like on the other side of town, <laughs> sweating to death in the venue. <laughs> Like there's some actual edgy shit going on, and you're worried about how how the artistic purity of a bit this wimpy band like Poison. 
Yeah. <laughs> I saw a poison in concert. Oh, yeah. I saw Bathory and I died. <laughs> we just... <laughs> My God, we just watched. We just watched this really cute movie that nobody talks about anymore called Austin Land. Do you remember seeing that one? I didn't see Austin. It's Land, actually, actually cute. I saw it at Sundance, hmm. and I hadn't seen it since. And I, you know, Sundance is one of those film festivals where, like, sometimes things get overhyped because of the altitude alone. Yeah, like it's. I got really sick the first time I did Sundance just because I wasn't ready for altitude poisoning, and um. Altitude sickness, I guess, is what it is. But mm. um, there's a there's a cute movie that debuted there one of the years I went called uh, Austin Land, starring Carrie Russell as a woman who you know lives vicariously through Jane Austen novels and decides to spend all of her money mm-hmm. on a vacation to a theme park in England where they recreate the Jane Austen experience. Mm. And you go there, and they give you the nice clothes, and you stay in the nice rooms. and you Pretend you're in a Jane Austen. And there's now. like a hunky stud for everybody. <laughs> everybody gets a Mr. Darcy. Everybody, yeah, everybody gets a Mr. Darcy. And it's um, like one of them's played by, um, uh, I think it's, it's a James Callis from um, uh, Battlestar Galactica, and another one's played by... Um, Brett McKenzie from uh, uh, oh. <laughs> Flight <laughs> of the Concords. Yeah, there's like there's a not Dan Stevens in it, but he's kind of Dan Stevens. Um, but um, Jennifer Coolidge is in it, and Jennifer Coolidge is an international treasure. You know, some people say like, "Oh, they're a national treasure." Mm. The world is lucky to have Jennifer Coolidge. She's one of the funniest actors. If you've seen her from like the Christopher Guest's movies or Legally Blonde. Uh, she's great and she plays this woman who just doesn't actually care about Jane Austen she's just here for the experience and just wants to like have fun and like ogle hunky dudes and there's a character who is you know shows up later on it's like I have returned from my voyage overseas where I was attacked by pirates and they boarded our ship and she just yells out did you die And we had to pause the movie and laugh for like five minutes because like the funniest mm. thing she could have possibly yelled. Jennifer Coolidge, master of the funniest thing you could yell at any moment in a, in a movie. <laughs> Did you die? Did you die? <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, uh, anyone else have any weird musical moments? Musicals tend to take place in a sort of bizarre alternate reality mm. a lot of the time. Uh, and so they're prone to these moments. Some of them are really aware of it and they don't care. Hmm. Xanadu knows it's weird. Can't stop the music. Knows it's weird. Rockula knows it's weird. But sometimes they don't. <laughs> and so let us know if you can think of your favorite like weird hmm. movie musical moments. Okay, let's, let's last letter. Last one. Last one. All right. Here is a letter from uh, Name Redacted. If you don't sign off, I'm not going to read your name. Um, nope. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney, I just finished listening to recent musicals, Iron List, and you asked listeners to speak about about their favorite cult musicals. I would briefly like to take a moment and advocate for the recent film, Anna and the Apocalypse, uh, which is a zombie Christmas teen musical. Uh, The film is a lot of fun, but surprisingly has great emotional beats in the second half. Not to mention the songs are complete earworms that randomly enter my head often. If you haven't seen it, I'd highly recommend it. Also, thank you so much for the content. Your hard work uh, shines brightly through your shows and never fail to brighten my day. I'm um, uh, very sorry. Uh, uh, someone. Someone. Yeah. Uh, thank uh, you, by the way, for that. that yeah. the, and, uh, your positivity really yeah. helps us keep going. Cause yeah, and, uh, boy, it's been a rough year or two. Um, our, our shows are shows. We're, we're trying to stay away from the word content. Yeah, but so, I'm not going to judge people too hard. Right, yeah, people, stuff, that's, but, that's just the, the yeah. term now. We're, but, we're um, trying to move away from yeah. it, but seriously, we're not going to, we're not going to um, you on that. Um, but uh, yeah, so Anne and the Apocalypse is a British zombie Christmas musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's about a bunch of teens who are just trying to get their lives together as they start thinking about leaving high school. And then wouldn't you know it, 
zombies. Mm. Uh, but the musical continues throughout the zombie apocalypse. Did you see this one? I'm trying to remember. I, you... I did. Okay. Well, I actually wasn't so fond of it. Um, no. The the um the Hollywood ending song is pretty good, but that's I, that's I, uh, clearly the banger. That's yeah, clearly that's, their that's breakaway podcast. Yeah. Near the start of the movie. Um, I, I feel like a, most of those songs are pretty forgettable. But I only saw the movie once, yeah. so they didn't really get a chance to stick in my head. Uh, films we didn't mention. I we, neither of us brought up Hedvig and the Angry Inch, and I'd like to, oh, to say yeah, shame, shame that? on us for that because yeah, that, whoops. that's something we should definitely should have that mentioned. Should have at least been in the honorable mention. That yeah, was a great. Yeah, movie. Hedvig yeah. and the Angry Inch is really really good. Uh, neither of us mentioned Repo the Genetic Opera. I've actually never seen Repo the Genetic. Opera. Oh, okay, uh, Repo the Genetic Opera is something a lot of cult film aficionados resent because uh, they tried to make it into a cult phenomenon. Yeah, we're intentionally is, from the start trying to latch onto this cult movie phenomenon. Yeah. So they they started to like when it opens, they were like having midnight screenings and encouraging people to come in costume, and it it was a thing for like eighteen months, and then there, it kind of that away. movie has its fans. Mm-hmm. It has its fans. Did I mention the Reefer Madness musical? You I did. Like you brought I did. it up. Okay, yeah. I'm glad because that movie's that movie's mm-hmm. a hoot. I think that one's actually really good. Um, I'm trying to think of things I've seen in like recent years that were a little bit like, odd, oddball. There's the sometimes cuff. sometimes people like recommend something and I'm like, oh, cool, and then I watch. And I'm like, mm. like uh, there's I think it's an Albert Pune movie, Vicious Lips. Vicious Lips. Uh, it's, it's like so punk- good in construct, the construct, but it's actually is so cool. a, quite a bad movie. It's it's about a it's about an all girl punk rock band in space, mm. and I'm like. Yes, all, all girl punk rock. I'm I'm there. Yes, Sold. that sounds Sold, awesome. Yeah. I want to see that movie, and then you watch it, and it's just not that good. Mm. It's it's like it's some fun moments, I guess, but I honestly couldn't even tell you what they were. Um, so yeah, that just because you're a cult movie and you're a musical doesn't mean you're a good cult movie musical. Mm. You just be, sometimes you're just like trying. But I do think End of the Apocalypse is a really fun film. I liked it more than you did. Um. The mo- the, I don't think all the songs are earworms. I think there's like two or three really good ones. Um, but I think it mostly works. Um, I I like the cast. I like the characters. Um, you know, musical numbers are largely about revealing character. Mm. Especially if it's not a movie about plot. Um, so that's one of the problems with a lot of horror movies sometimes. Is that filmmakers don't necessarily uh, give us a lot of character. You know, they don't necessarily... Mm take the time to make you care about all the individuals. Um, I think the good ones do. And sometimes the bad ones do too. But mm. um, but uh, with a musical, everyone gets to sing their heart out and you know everything that they're going through and everything that they're feeling. So when they die, you're like, oh, oh, oh I like them. Mm. That sucks. But uh, anyway, I, I think Anthony Cosmos is a really fun flick. And I, I don't think I would have put it on my honorable mentions if I thought of it. But I'm glad that you gave it a shout out because I think this is definitely a kind of movie. I feel like this is a really good gateway cult musical because mm. it's contemporary. It feels fresh and new, even though it's you know familiar to people who are familiar with the cult movie genre, mm. so to speak. Cult movie vibe, I guess is probably more accurate. Um, and then hopefully it'll uh, give you more reasons to sort of find weird films like it. <laughs> and maybe find even cooler films down the line or maybe you'll still like end of the apocalypse the most that's that's cool too um but yeah anyway i'm glad you recommended it cool flick um so that is we've got mail for this week thank you everybody for listening especially thank you everybody who wrote in and especially thank you to all of our patrons oh yes without our patrons this show and none of our other shows would exist and so we try to make sure our patrons get a bunch of other shows we have exclusive shows about Star Trek, Batman, Disney. We do commentary tracks. We just released a commentary track for Howard the Duck. 
Speaking of all-girl punk bands, Leah Thompson leads a punk band called Cherry Bomb. Actually pretty fun band. Actually, their, their Howard the Duck theme the, song is pretty good. Also, they're not a punk band. They're punkish. No, they are not. What, what are they? They are new wave. New, new, new wave hair metal. Like, right on that line. They are, they are post, post-punk. They are not anywhere near punk. Am I still allowed to like them? Sure. Yay! <laughs> uh, but we Fine, didn't... I'll let it. And usually it has to be punk or post-punk or nothing doing, but yeah, you, you can like them. It's fine. Thanks, friend. You're quite, uh, <laughs> quite welcome. Where are my gate keys? <laughs> um, but, uh, what was it? but we have a bunch of stuff over there. You can also vote for future episodes of our shows. Uh, so it's patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We'd love to have you over there. And if you can't afford to, totally get it. But if you think about it, if you could leave us a review wherever you find us, that really helps us find more people. So mm-hmm. um, thank you once again to everybody listened. If you want to email us, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net is the email address. Um, and uh, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at mm-hmm. William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, be sure to check out the Etsy store Salt Cat Soap this weekend. Uh, because Saturday, the first Saturday of every month, is when we drop a whole bunch of new soaps, including possibly two soaps that I designed this month. Oh my goodness. Oh yes. What a tease. Yes. We. Oui. <laughs> no, they're actually pretty cool. I, I think you're really going to like them. Um, so, um, and that's that's coming on Saturday. <sighs> anyway, that's about it. So thanks everybody for listening. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney. Yay. <laughs>